Jeff Andreas. Happy Wednesday. It's 20 after 4. It is September the 29th, and because it is the final Wednesday of the month, that means it is time now for Radio NL's Community Town Hall, brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, always fresh. This month's guest is Kamloops City Councilor and Deputy Mayor in the city for the month of September, Dennis Walsh. Dennis, how you doing here this afternoon? Oh, I'm doing really well. Well, appreciate you taking some time to join me here. I always uh, like having these sessions, and it gives people a chance to ask some tough questions. So I hope you're ready for it. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's get right into it here. I'll start with uh, a few questions that came in from the question submission box that is stationed at the Vic. And the first one that I have, and this is a theme that I seem to be getting on almost a monthly basis. It's a nice, easy way to transition into this. Is there ever a possibility of Victoria Street becoming either free of cars, right, making it a pedestrian-only type of, of place, or even, even a one-way street? Is something like this on your radar? I know this is a, a conversation I think that has been happening for quite some time, but never really seems to get a commitment about, uh, you know, changing the way the streets work in downtown. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that idea pops up um, almost yearly or every couple of years at least, anyways. And um, and I, I think it's a, a possibility. I, I don't think the um, climate is right right now. I mean, we just got the extended patios, so that's going to take a little pressure off that, I think, because um, the downtown is definitely more vibrant with the extended patios. Mm -hmm. But um, but I, I do see it down the road. I do see, if not the full Victoria Street, but possibly between 2nd and 4th and, and that, you know, or one block at a time, possibly just to pilot it but uh, i could see it happening down the road but they may have to change some of the configuration of the one-way streets on lansdowne and seymour mm -hmm. you know so it, it'd be a big job to do it because it, it'll affect other areas right of the city to try to make you know the tra traffic flow throughs work so um i see it you know maybe down maybe let's guess it five years down the road two three i mean it depends on that kcbia is a big is a big leader yeah. in that one they're, they're going to have to talk to the retailers and the customers and decide if that's best for the downtown. Yeah, it's just a question I seem to be getting almost every month, and not a surprise given that, you know, the Vic is right downtown, and a lot of people are having their coffee sitting outside on the patio watching too many cars probably go by for their likelihood, and that seems to be a popular topic is uh, the streets downtown. So I yeah, appreciate yeah. that answer. I do have a caller on the line, so let's bring him on now. Um, sir or madam, I don't know who it is, but uh, you're on the air now. What is your question? Hey, Dennis, how's it going? I got a question for you. Why is Memorial Arena being used as a homeless shelter when not even two blocks away from Memorial Arena, the Canadian Mental Health Association Clubhouse, which is the old Colombo Lodge, sits relatively unused. Um, there was a story back on December 2019. Kamloops this week wrote story welcoming the CMHA to their new home for the Out of the Cold Winter Shelter, a program that was formerly run at the St. Paul's Anglican Cathedral. If this building, which has a kitchen, bathrooms, can be used as a 50-bed shelter for homeless people in the winter, why does it sit relatively empty now? Instead, we use an arena that is paid for by the taxpayers. Just, you know, they don't get, we don't get to use our arena. And I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious. There are other buildings, actually, that are vacant in the community as well, but this one sits a block and a half away. Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not on the social planning committee, so I can't say if they've discussed it. But, um, you know, I, I heard about it just the last day or two here, and um, somebody suggested it. 
and, and it, it seems like a viable option, and I'm not sure. Well, that's a very good question of why it's not being used. Because um, I know we, you know, we could also use even more shelters, and we, we have winter coming, so that's going to be another issue. Um, so I'm not sure why that. Because as far as I know, I don't even know if it's being operated on right, now, or if anybody's working out of there. So I, I have to look into it and see what type. Because I, I've heard, you know, different like they've held dinners at 100 people, or you know, so it sounds like it has some space, you know, and possibly it could take 40 people and we could free up Memorial Arena. I, I know right now the city administration is actively looking for locations as emergency shelters for the winter also. So, um, you know, it's going to be a bit of a traffic jam here in the winter because we're going to try to, you know, house people through the winter months also. So it's, I, I think it's a definitely a, it's worthwhile to pursue it, and I, and I will, as it's tomorrow, I'll start asking. I'll, I'll talk to the CAO and see what the explanation is and why we're not using that facility. All right. Do you have a, a follow-up there, caller? No, that's okay. Thank oh, you. That's thank, all I really wanted to know. Thank you for the question. Yeah, Dennis, I, I have heard actually from a lot of people who are disappointed to be seeing uh, Memorial Arena used as a homeless shelter, especially because, you know, there's such a demand for arena space. You look at our, um, our, our uh, what's the plan, the 10-year recreation master plan, right, talking about the need for more rink space, and I think there's a lot of people who are quite frustrated that we only have the five sheets of ice in this city and one is basically being taken away from us over the course of this yeah. winter. I'm imagining you're hearing some similar concerns as well. Oh yeah, it's, it's a big issue. It has been ever since the icebox folded um, in, on the reserves, you know, like that, that's created some real pressures on the ice ice time and so we, we, knew, we need everybody ice surface we can. I think we, we've been told in the report we're short two already, like in the sense of the, based on the population that growth and everything like that so yeah so they, they're working trying to get that free but it, you know there are not a lot of options but um you know i guess we, we just have as a council we, we we have to start actually asking more questions of administration and seeing we haven't really seen an, an option sheet to say what what are the options to to get us out of the memorial arena right because mm -hmm. um you know so i know the people within that committee must be talking to that but I, i'm going to have to get more involved too myself so i think all the council has to be kind of moving in that direction yeah and and you know there's probably going to be a theme here of the these types of questions over the next little while, not not specific to ice space, but in terms of our, our homeless population or our marginalized community here in Kamloops. I mean, a lot of people, I think, are just frustrated with with some of how uh, that population has been handled. Like, I got one question here from Gene Lewis saying, I love the downtown here in Kamloops, but are we going to be safe in the future? Like, what what is going on with our homeless population to try to give them supports and help they need so they're not, you know, on the streets and defecating in front of businesses and finding, you know, drug paraphernalia all over the place? It's a popular concern that we see in our community. Yeah, it's definitely an issue. I mean, I see it every day here out, you know, being at the Vic here on the corner. and I, I, I can see people's concerns, and I mean, it, and it is a big concern because I, I don't see where this is all going to end up because we can only build so much housing, and it seems to be the downtown, you know, the retail area, the Victoria Street anyways, West Victoria and Tronk Hill area seem to be the primary focus for this housing. But I think part of it is I, I have a problem with the harm reduction model in the sense that we, I think we need to go to a recovery model and um, possibly, I said it a week ago, I, I think we should look at maybe doing a wellness community, um, whether that, I mean, we've lost Tronk Hill on the lake there, but um, maybe the Camelot Ranch area or something. But I, I think, because we, we're, we're looking at possibly up to five more buildings of 40 units 
in this city, and um, I frankly don't know where we're going to put them. So, mm-hmm. and it's going to compound the problem because when, whenever there's a concentration, uh, then it's more noticeable and there's more more issues, obviously. So, so I think our model is not really going to serve us well, especially over the you know a five ten year period because. I, homelessness, I don't believe, is going to end. I think there's going to be a growing population. So I think we need to look at other solutions other than just building a building downtown and housing the people. Absolutely. Well, we're going to expand more on those thoughts here, but I do have to take a break because we got the news at 4.30 coming up here in 60 seconds. So stay put, Dennis, okay? okay? And we'll be back in about uh, six minutes. Does that sound good with you? Yes, that's good. Awesome. All right. You're listening to Radio NL's Community Town Hall on this September 29th, the final Wednesday of the month. And as we do on every uh, final Wednesday of each month, it's the Community Town Hall brought to you by the Vic Downtown Roasted here. Always fresh. If you have a question... Please call or text 250-374-5345. Your 430 News is up next, and we'll be back with more with Dennis Walsh in just a bit. Stick around. You're listening to NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. Thanks for tuning in to NL Newsday, and it is the September edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall, which is brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, always fresh. This month's guest is Kamloops City Councilor and Deputy Mayor for the month of September, Dennis Walsh. Dennis, you still hanging in there? I am, yes. Well, awesome. Thanks so much uh, for, for sticking around. So one thing, just to kind of tail on to what we were talking about prior to the news break there you brought this up at council last week when there was that nice conversation about social issues that was going on uh Mm -hmm. one thing that you brought up it was it was an idea that you just sort of put out there um and and you, you basically kind of skimmed over it right before we went to break but just talking about this idea of of kind of having like a I don't know what term you would want to use it. I called it like a resort when I was talking to uh, Kamloops Mayor Ken Christian earlier, but uh, that's probably not the right word for it. But basically somewhere that you can put all kinds of services in one location and then have somewhere where those who are in need of those services can kind of stay and and almost live a little bit. So what, what was sort of your thought that you were trying to get across there last week? Okay, I'll try to do as quick as possible. <laughs> to me, there's a lot of people that are vulnerable in our city, you know, especially with mental challenges and whether they have drug addictions. And, and so they're being preyed upon. We're putting them in the downtown core where most people wouldn't raise a family, right? So they're, they're vulnerable and they're being preyed on. So I think we're doing a disservice to them, and we need to put them in a place that's safer. And that's why I was thinking, I mean, we don't have Trunk Hill, but we have uh, about 200 acres, I'm told, out by the Camelot Ranch. It's unused. And so you could it's almost like a resort instead, but a community where you would have all the f- support workers there, and you would, you could have different transitional housing out there. You, you could, I'm sure that you know a lot of the service groups would would build tennis courts. I mean, there's all kinds of people could have gardening. They could do stuff. There's not much to do in the city, but just kind of sit around and maybe panhandle or or what whatever, right? But but when you're out there, there's a lot more opportunities, right? Like you know, there, there's a baseball field out there. You know, you can put give people fish if they want to go fishing. There's right by the river. I think you could create, a, you know, a really viable place, 
you know, that people could get healthy again and, and they, they could transition from where they are now and, and, and heal somewhat, right? So that, that's the idea is I, I don't think you can do it by popping them right in the middle of the downtown core that has a lot of other additional problems that you're putting people into. So, uh, you know, how that works, I, I'm not sure. But, you know, like uh, it's the same with our emergency shelters. I, I have a real concern with putting emergency shelters because a lot of times emergency shelters, those are the last resorts because people, they, they get kicked out of the Sparrow House or maybe the Thorn Rose, and, and that's the only option they have. But they, they have a lot more challenges in their life at, the, at that point. Mm. So I, I think, you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a model to look at. I don't know if it's successful. I like to look around in North America and see if anybody's done something like that. But I, I think it's worth looking into. Yeah, and, and, you know, when you brought that forward, it sounded like you got cut off pretty quickly. Um, you know, it does feel like it potentially it could be very far-fetched, but at the same point in time, I mean, the ideas behind it are, are I think, valuable to at least consider. Um, you know, were you were you frustrated about being sort of shortened in, in your, your, your attempt to try to get your point across, I suppose? Well, no, I, I mean, I'm used to it, I guess. You know, but a, a lot of people, it's not just my idea. Like, I, I get this from the public, right? They're saying, like, we can't do this continually load people up into our retail cores and stuff like that and you know people in Aberdeen don't want those that housing up there either so I think you know we need to look at other other options and also for the protection of the people the vulnerable people that are that are unfortunately in those situations you know especially the mentally challenged we, we, we need to extract them out of that kind of bad environment and so they have a chance because isolation is, is the way to actually kind of take a breath and get yourself back on track so yeah. you know and, and it would be volunteer we're not talking about you know fences or anything yeah. we're just talking about t- taking people to a safer place yeah you're not kidnapping people and putting them in a van and taking them somewhere this would be no. all by choice right yeah, it would be by choice for sure, and, and I think you make it attractive enough that people will want to go there, and, and, and safe enough especially. That's the big one. Yeah, it's definitely an idea that I have heard from a number of, of individuals as well. All right, I'm going to go to a question that uh, was taken over the phone line uh, during the break. Here's a question from Ryan. He's with Totem Motors. Let's listen to what his question is here, Dennis. As I'm looking on the elig- eligibility for emergency shelters, it says that Anybody in need of a place that you left a hospital, rehabilitation center, treatment center, or the correctional facility are eligible. Now, I, was, I, I asked a couple people that are, are from the streets, and, and they weren't from here. And my concern is, why don't we try to help those people get home to where their home is so they can get the proper help, and we can even take more better care of our people here it's just it just seems weird that i know that a lot of people are even coming as far as quebec and winnipeg here that i found out all right so i mean dennis yeah i think he has as a point i haven't seen people coming necessarily from that far away from the opposite side of canada but nonetheless a lot of people are here who aren't from kamloops and you know sometimes you got to wonder if they'd be better off finding a way home and i don't know if we provide that is that something that the city does do or what is sort of the city's role in in helping those who are from kamloops and helping those not from kamloops get get home 
Yeah, I mean, this is a big subject, too, with a lot of, you know, people that talk to the residents, and especially the coffee shop. But, um, you know, we, we, we have this kind of a magnet. I mean, we're right in the crossroads, you know, obviously, with the Trans-Canada and the number five. And, it, you know, so we're, we're a very attractive center for people. And, and they have a lot of people, they, they express they would like to go home. But, you know, if you live in Saskatchewan, how, how's a homeless person going to get the money to get back home, right? So mm-hmm. I, I think we should address that, you know, especially if they have family supports, right? Because I, I think that people would do better if they're around their family and, and, and not in a in a kind of a caustic environment that they're in with the drug addictions and everything. So if there was a way to do that, um, I, I, I would like to see us, you know, explore that also because I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love to go back home, whether whether wherever it is. Cause, mm-hmm. and, I, and I'm not sure what happens. We have the Camelot Regional Correctional Center here too, right? So uh, you know, it's it, it's it's a, it's a definitely a, a hub, I would say, you know, for a lot of things, you know, in in Camelot because we're right in dead center in the province, right? And the weather's good here, so people do arrive here, but then they sometimes I think they get trapped and they they can't afford to move on. Mm-hmm. Here, I, I do have a follow-up question from Ryan as well, so I'll play that for you. We currently move from the North Shore because we had the Ask Wellness beside us. And we moved downtown to have a better opportunity for people to feel comfort to coming to our establishment. And I'm now seeing that we've got five tents and a temporary shelter right next door to us again. We're right back into what my question is, is what are the zoning guidelines and how do we know where the next one's going to pop up? All right, Dennis. So Ryan Concern, I mean, he says, you know, his, his company told him City Motors, it moved from the North Shore to a downtown location to try to move away from Ask Wellness and some of the concerns that come with uh, the housing project there. Uh, and now he's seeing tents popping up near his business and has concerns about that. I mean, is there really anything he can do? It's a real challenge because, I mean, we're, we're looking to try to, you know, basically make things better somehow or, you know, take the heat off of people wandering all over the place and give them a place of focus. So, But I understand I'm totally sympathetic with him. Like, I know he moved from the North Shore, and then the next thing you know, um, he, he has a day space center, you know, open up right next to his, his car lot, right? So... Yeah, I can see his frustration. Um, I know the BC, we have a problem with BC housing in a sense that I can't remember the terminology, but they have a right to override our zoning even, right? So if they, if they want to put a facility in, um, there, there's an aspect in the community charter that allows them to override our, our zoning. So, so that, you know, we're in a bit of a pickle here in the sense that um, we can try to direct them where, where they can put their housing and stuff. But we don't have total control, um, so so we're always trying to create the relationship so we can negotiate before something happens and try to do the whatever is the least um, invasive to the public. Uh, but it doesn't always work, right? So mm-hmm. yeah. it's unfortunate that he's experiencing that. It's definitely unfortunate. I mean, I don't think it's an uncommon concern either, right? Uh, I see it on social media all the time where people are talking about. Uh, individuals that it's not even like they're not sympathetic right it's just that they're frustrated that it's so visible sometimes and um, it, it feels like the help maybe isn't there for them I don't know what exactly the, the terminology would be but you know what I'm trying to say right like mm-hmm. they're just frustrated that it's so visible here on our streets yeah and I do you know on an optimistic point I mean I think the um 
the change from the, the regular bylaw officers to the community service officers, I, I think that will be a positive. It is, I think it already is becoming a bit, you know, we're noticing it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, once they get fully staffed and I think they have more skill sets and, and definitely, you know, just, just a few more rules and, you know, options there to deal with people. And um, so I think it will help in the long run. It'll it'll make the downtown, well, basically the streets of Camelot's basically safer because uh, it's a better model, I think. So, so it's, you know, like I say, that's still unrolling. And unfortunately, you know, there was a bit of a few bumps in the road there when it, the transition, you know, which has been up to about almost a year, well, a little over a year now, right? Mm-hmm. So, and they're still looking at trying to get fully staffed, which they're close to, I'm told. So I think that will help, but I just think it's overwhelming what's happening in our city right now. And I, the amount of support workers um, and security and CSO officers and the amount of administration time involved, I just think we have to look at other options and because and, and, um, we're kind of chasing our tail on this mm-hmm. stuff. All right, I have one more question for you on this subject line, and it's coming from Colin. Um, he called in and he said, you know, we have all of these beds that are available in our community for harm reduction, but it doesn't feel like there is enough space for actual recovery. Uh, you know, a lot of people are, are getting help to to not die from their problems, but they're not necessarily getting help to recover from their problems, right? I, I see this all the time, um, especially the frustration. We're, we're having, you know, whether it's a safe injection site, right? Somewhere where someone can, can have a safe supply and they're not going to die. They have someone to supervise them, but that doesn't help them actually deal with their addiction, right? It just helps them to not die from it. Yeah, it's almost like storage, almost in the sense. Like, yeah, that's why I think the recovery model. I know that Penticton kind of they put their foot down and they insisted that uh, BC Housing Ask Wellness, um, if they're going to open another center, they had to put a recovery model into it, right? So, uh, I think that's the answer. Um, we, we have a, a really good recovery center up in Logan Lake right now, but it was ha- only half full, and it's not like there's not some clients there that could could go there. So I think they just weren't talking to each other, like the, the, the nonprofits weren't even talking to each other. And so there's there's a lot of improvements that can be made, but I, I agree. Harm reduction, to me, I think we need to do a little bit more than that. And I know they're trying with the support workers, but we have to have more recovery models, I think, if we want to have people kind of change their lives and get out of the out of the kind of the ruts that they're in, right? So... Um, but that's going to take a lot of time. I, I think it's not going to come easy. Absolutely. All right, we'll leave that for now. Uh, that was definitely a major theme of a lot of the questions we were getting here. So we'll, we'll move on to some other yeah. things. But first, we're going to take a quick two-minute commercial break. Does that sound all right with you? Yeah, that sounds good. All right. We're listening here to the September edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall, brought to you by the Vic Downtown. Roasted here, always fresh. If you got a question for Councillor Walsh, you can text 250-374-5345, or you can call. Uh, we're on here for 10 more minutes. So we're going to take a quick two-minute break, and then we'll be right back with more on the Radio NL Community Town Hall for the month of September with Councillor Dennis Walsh, again, brought to you by the Vic Downtown. We'll be back in two minutes. NL Newsday with Jeff Andreas. All right, you're listening to NL Newsday. It's the final Wednesday of September, and that means we are here for Radio NL's Community Town Hall, brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here, always fresh. You can check them out at the corner of uh, 4th and Victoria. Now, 
for this month's session. Joined on the line by Kamloops Counselor and Deputy Mayor for the month of September, Dennis Walsh. Dennis, you still with me Hello. here? I am. Perfect. Hello there. Perfect. Well, thanks so much for toughing it out here. We got seven minutes left. So let's uh, move on to some other questions here. Uh, some more general stuff that we got from the question submission box. I'll start with a question here from George. It's a very interesting question. I know there's a lot more talk about trying to be uh, environmentally friendly. So he wants to know why the city doesn't have recycling bins on Victoria Street. That's a very good question. Somebody brought that up to me just the other day, in fact. You know, we went outside and looked, and, I mean, there, there's a little kind of net around some of the garbage cans where you can put bottles, but um, not, uh, you know, paper and versus garbage. And uh, I, I think that's something I have to bring up and see what... I know it, it always comes down to cost, right? Like, I mean, it, it, would, it would create definitely um, a larger cost for, you know, to be obviously serviced and every day they'd have to be serviced. So, so I think that's what right now. But I, I think we're people are more open to that idea now, and I think it would be a real positive thing for, especially for the downtown and Tronk Hill retail districts, right? Right. So, yeah. But it's just it's going to take some direction from council to you know to at least have a review of it and see what those costs are. But, but we are looking at a you know a major tax, possible major tax increase coming up next year. Hey, so, Dennis, so just before you continue here, your phone's starting to crackle up. I know you got oh, another handset on standby. Maybe you should. It's over. Yeah. Yeah, I'm on a different one now. Oh, much better. Look at that. Okay, there, there we go. All right. Yeah, uh, Yeah. I think you pretty much answered that. So, yeah, it's something definitely being considered probably right now, too, when we're talking about the, the waste and recycling department here in the city, this whole uh, composting that's going on, right? That pilot is, I think it's officially started, hasn't it? Yes, it has, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's I'm, I'm not sure when is the review, how long this pilot is, but I'm, I'm guessing it'll. we won't review it probably until spring next year, right? At the earliest, so, I would think, yeah. You know, and, and it, it's a huge expense. Like, we got a lot of big expenses coming at us, so I think council is going to have to look at... Um, I mean, that's why I know um, the mayor and myself voted against the uh, Riverside uh, spray park thing just because we, we'd like to see everything that's in front of us and kind of prioritize everything first because, you know, everybody has an ask from each department, let's say, and, and obviously the citizens too. Mm -hmm. But, but what, what can we afford and what is the priority? What, do we, what are the need-to-haves and then what are the nice-to-haves, right? Yeah. And, and I think we need to see the whole thing in front of us at a, at a budget hearing and, and then start looking at from there and then to the supplemental items if we have any money left over. But it's going to be a challenge next year to keep the taxes low. I mean, we were just ridiculously low in the sense of 1% in, in all effects last year, right? So um, now we have to kind of sharpen our pencils here and really be careful how far we go down the road. Yeah, yeah. Well, we had uh, Mayor Ken Christian on the program here last hour, and, and he kind of hinted that this could be a pretty pretty significant year for a tax hike. I mean, I know it's been kept low the last couple of years as we've gone through this pandemic, so it was only kind of a, a matter of time before we saw a, a larger jump in that percentage, but uh, I think it's going to be catching some people off guard maybe in 2022. Is, do you anticipate you're going to be having to make some tough decisions here? Oh, well, it'll be a, it'll be a real probably the, one of the toughest tax budget years we've ever seen in front of us. So um, it'll be interesting to see how, how, how we can deal with it, you know, whether there's going to be service cuts or, because that's always the big one. Nobody wants service cuts. They're willing to take a certain amount of tax increase, but where is that where is that level where you start saying, no, we, we should take some tax cuts, you know, or find more efficiencies in the city without increasing staff, right? Mm -hmm. So it, it's going to be a big challenge for sure. Absolutely. All right, I have, uh, let's go to this question. It's kind of an interesting one that's related to a decision 
decision made by council. can't remember when, but it was in the not-too-distant past here. Pat Lane asking, do you really believe that by not providing parking in an apartment building that people won't use their cars, or will they simply just congest the area around the other buildings? And, of course, I'm assuming this question is stemming from the uh, decision at 501 Tronc Hill that was made. Uh, it was yeah, approved yeah. for 16 parking spots for a 40-unit building, and a lot of people are worried what's where, where are the cars going to go if they don't have parking spots. Yeah. No, and, and I, I was a strong advocate for that um, reduction in parking, so I, I can speak to that from my position anyways, is that, you know, I, I think we need to build some buildings that there, I, I have, we have staff here, right? So, I mean, there's, I've talked to lots of different people, young people especially, that they don't have any intention of, of purchasing a car. Um, maybe once they go through TRU and or university, get a degree and get a career job, but at this stage in their life, they're not looking at it, and it's becoming easier and easier to, to maneuver, you know, due to all the alternative transportations, you know, bikes, buses, everything. So, you know, the world is changing in that end of it, and so that's how I look at it, and especially where that unit is in Tronquille. If you're going to put it anything in the central location, that's it. And if it's advertised that you're not getting parking, and then, uh, you know, if, if the city kind of cooperates and restricts some of the parking around that area to two-hour parking, or, you know, just so that people can't park overnight, like even downtown here we have the two-hour parking and you, you, you know, you, 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 it keeps people moving. They can't park their car all day. Um, there's even restrictions on if you have a special pass, you only can do it for 48 hours. So I think there's ways the city can work with that and, and make it so it's viable. And then they, they, they advertise and they, they recruit basically people that are looking for a, a residence that's actually lower income because that's the idea is that mm -hmm. you can, you can ha allow an affordable housing model easier without the parking because parking underground parking is about 50,000 a spot and um, somebody has to pay for that and yeah. it's usually going to be the renters. Absolutely um, and just to kind of dovetail off of that uh, it's similar I, I think it's uh, connects to it because Stacy Combs is asking uh, why bike lanes are not being integrated more into the city in terms of priorities I think it is maybe we just don't notice it quite as much I know Kamloops is not necessarily the most bike friendly city and it's not because of the lack of bike lanes I think it's because of how stinking hilly this city is it makes it challenging to travel by bike but when we're talking about reducing parking spaces for uh, buildings like this one at 501 Tronquille and, and be able to provide more affordable housing having that active transportation route needs to be I, I prioritized I would believe by council as well yeah and that's something we need to bring up, you know, like we have, we have to go do a better job of that. I mean, for the last time I've been first elected, 2008, everybody's always said this is a car-centric city. There's too many hills. People aren't going to bike even if you build. But I mean, the e-bikes has changed that game completely. Sure. You can go anywhere in an e-bike, up a hill, down anywhere. So, so we we need to up our game. The only problem again, it, it comes down to economics and, and the budget, right? Like, bike lanes are very expensive, especially if you want to do separated bike lanes so that they're safe for everybody. Um, it's an expensive adventure, but it's necessary. So I think we need to look at our overall plans and say, you know, maybe there's some roads that we need to kind of back off on and do bike lanes instead, you know, or add some bike lanes, especially the TRU. I'm really embarrassed that we don't have a really good bike system going to our number one, you know, university, which is our number one use for bikes, right? So I think we have to have a look at the plan is to me outdated. It may be only two or three years old, but it's, it's, I think it's outdated and we need to revisit it.
We're all, we're all a lot of time here, Dennis, oh. but uh, I really appreciate you doing this. I always get a lot out of these conversations, and I hope you do too when we get those questions from the public that maybe yeah. is not on your radar, but once they get a chance to ask, maybe it's something you're thinking about a little yeah. bit more. So I appreciate the time. Yeah, and I appreciate NL, you know, giving us the opportunity to have this community, you know, conference or chat, right? Like, it's really important, I think, to involve the public. Absolutely. Well, Dennis, you have a fantastic rest of your Wednesday, and uh, hopefully we'll chat soon. Okay, thank you. Awesome. Okay. Dennis Walsh right there, Kamloops City Councilor, Deputy Mayor for the month of September, here on the September edition of Radio NL's Community Town Hall, which, of course, is brought to you by the Vic Downtown, roasted here always fresh. My thanks to the Vic for sponsoring this segment, and my thanks to all on council who have come on so far to participate. I think that's pretty much everybody. Drawing a blank if I haven't had anybody on yet, and if uh, if we haven't, then I will make sure we I, finish I, that up. I think we haven't had... Has Sadie Hunter been on? Councillor yes. Hunter? Oh, yes, well, she okay. has. Councillor Sinclair has? Yep. Councillor Bass? Yep. Uh, Councillor... Yeah, you had Councillor Singh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we're all covered. I got them all. I, I guess are we going to start uh, um, going back through going back through the deputy mayors again? I guess so. I mean, I guess yeah. that brings. I think Michael Riley was the first one, so maybe Michael yeah. was next. Yeah. Well, we'll have to figure that one out behind the curtains. Absolutely. That's October's problem. That's a month from now. We'll deal with it later. All right, again, my thanks to Dennis Walsh for coming on the show. My thanks to everyone who participated, whether it be through the question submission box at the Vic, who called, who texted. We had people coming in all different sorts of ways to ask their questions, so I appreciate the participation. That's what this is about, is getting your questions asked and hopefully getting some good answers. And my thanks uh, again for everyone who tuned in to listen, and I hope you got some valuable information out of that.